Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today, I want to talk to you guys about covert racism. A lot of times in the news, you know, we see the worst case scenario, right? A police shooting, right? Uh, a, a state employed public servant paid by your tax dollars to harass you and, and, and worse in those situations murder you and most cases you won't even get justice from the system so obviously those are horrible but that in my opinion they're also used for sensationalism and to keep people once again another thing keep people at odds right this thing that's going to lift this emotion right then what the other side's going to say oh it's not that many people and then it's, it's never going to really get anywhere and it and, and honestly it doesn't it doesn't even describe the totality of the racism in the country when when you just focus on that to me that's like when people focus on the word nigger as opposed to what happened in slavery any person that acts so spooked by the word nigger 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 it's a word i'll say are you just as spooked of the physiological changes that happen to a body when you hang somebody from a tree or maybe cutting somebody's testicles off, whipping their back, rape, right? Feeding them to alligators, taking children from their parents. I could go on. <laughs> so what's really worse, right? You calling me a name that I don't like <laughs> or you doing any one of the said things I said. So a lot of times people will focus on something like I said, because it's sensationalized or it can just provoke an emotion, but it's not the depth of the problem. The depth of the problem in, in, in old times with, with, with that level of racism, right? Wasn't the name calling. That's, it was the, it was the, the separation without equality. It was all the prejudice. It was the lack of resource, uh, the lack of access to things. Mind you, they, they, stole the resources and then denied you access to things and even denied you access to education and things like that that's the problem so just like with those times in today's times racism plays out in a completely different manner than what people think it is people think you're just living your life and you're worried about just a cop killing you no to be honest with you some people don't even think about a cop killing them when they think about a cop they're more worried generally of being harassed Maybe having drugs planted on them. Maybe having more tickets than are, are necessary. Things like this. This is the way we're attacked daily. So, I thought I would touch on something that I saw and connect that to my own personal experience. How I experienced this coming up as a child. So, what I saw, and, and we're going to talk about how this affects the mind of these black children. So, what I was watching was a, a wrestling match. And it was a wrestling match with maybe kids were like, some maybe nine to 12, somewhere in that age group. And, you know, they're wrestling. It's a black kid and it's a white kid. And the black kid, like, seems, it looks like he has the guy pinned. But, you know, the ref has to call it with the count, whatever. And, and he's looking and, and, and he's looking like, no, he didn't get it. So he does something else and it looks like he got him again. And he's kind of looking like he wants to tap it, but he's kind of just like looking. And you're starting to look like, are you waiting for this little white kid to try to come back? And after a while, like the, the, the little black kid almost looks up at the ref like, 
Like, bro, I'm kicking his ass. Like, this is not a real pin. And he keeps going. And finally, he, he pins him like a third time. And I think he looks at the ref. And not, he's a little kid. He's not looking scarling. He's kind of like confused, right? He's like, I was taught this game. I'm <laughs> this sport, whatever. I'm completing a move that I was told and taught that gives me the victory. <laughs> and the authoritative figure is not giving me the victory that I'm entitled to. See, this is a very <laughs> deep lesson that black children are taught because it's something that may and probably will happen to you throughout your life. It's not that you can't win, dominate, or get things. It's that there's going to be certain times, especially when you have racist people involved, where it doesn't even matter what your output is. It doesn't matter how good you are, how nice you are, how productive you are, how wealthy you are, how educated you are. These things won't matter in certain situations. So this kid is learning that very young. He's kicking this little white kid's ass. And it's not the white kid's fault. He's just wrestling and he's trying to fight. And but it's the it's the white parents' fault. This this it was a white man, he was the ref. Can't prove he's racist, but you know, uh, it just seemed odd. It seemed odd because it was three times. It wasn't just once that you missed, it was three times. And he kept looking, especially on that third time. That's when I was convinced. He was like, he's waiting for the guy to kind of like come back. So what happens is the little kid, and this is actually a meme now, but you got to see the whole wrestling match to understand the story I'm telling you. Um, for a gif now, it's not a meme, but a little gif. The little black kid just basically takes the, kid, the white kid and just like power slams him. <laughs> Puts him up. And it's a legal move, but he just like power slams the fuck out of him. And he's just done. The kid starts crying. And the black kid gets up, like, like that's what I have to do? <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> the lesson there was so clear to me. If you want to get, you better make the victory so clear, so so definitive that nobody can can question it. Because if it's a questionable victory, you're never going to get those. So watching this, it reminded me of a lot of things. The first thing I thought was, you know, the psychological damage of this. And when you face these things as a child, they're so confusing. Especially if your parents didn't rigorously prepare you for it. It's so confusing because I think a seven-year-old, the first thing you think the first thing you think of is not, oh, it's because I'm black or it's because I'm Spanish, because I'm white, because I'm this, because I'm fat, because I'm... You don't jump to that first. I think first time you get these emotions, it's like, why is this happening to me, right? Somebody's teasing you. You might have been overweight. You'd be like, why are they teasing me? Why, why do they want to hurt me because I'm just big, right? You have to process why human beings are like they are. And you, after a while, you figure out our triggers and why people talk about each other and the good and bad parts of humanity. It comes together after a while, you know. But initially, as a child, you're learning the world through these experiences. So I, I couldn't help but feel like this was not his first, I'm sure, but one of his first experiences where he's going to learn that it's not, for you as a black man, it's not just your output. It's also your ability to deal with racists, your ability to deal with these people. Uh, because I can tell you as a black man, I've seen so many black men ruin themselves or just struggle because they could not deal with that. They struggled and they, they ruined themselves because they couldn't deal with those elements. They were just, you know, either too strong in, in, their, in their own uh, 
personality when change or shift enough things in their personality. But regardless, that's what happened. So, you know, this is a problem. So when I thought about that and I looked at it, I thought about his life and I said, you know, this is what happens to us. And I thought about my life and I said, this was something that I used to complain about. By the time I got to about 15, 16, 17, when I used to talk to my mother a lot, I used to like explain to her what was happening. I was very, you know, I was a pretty smart kid. So I was able to see, I used to write about this actually. When I got older, I found a lot of my notes about like what's happening, whether it was with friends, whether it was with society, white people. So for me, you know, I had an interesting story because I grew up in an urban environment with uh, extremely educated parents. Uh, my father has a PhD, mother has a master's. Um, and I went to school in multicultural places. So I was in school with all types of people and I was smart and athletic. So I was literally at the top of 99 percentile of math and 90th percentile of reading. Uh, and athletic, always good in baseball, basketball, tennis, almost all sports. And I play. I don't want to say it like this. <laughs> Some people are kind of almost good at everything. I'm not good at everything, but like sports, motor skill things and cognitive things. I'm like really re- reactive and proficient. But I have a downside and the downside is not as prevalent in me now. But when I was young, I was so talented. I thought that just displaying that talent was good enough. I didn't always apply every piece of hard work. And I was still like outperforming people. So kind of messed my mind up a little. I'll admit that. But there were things that happened to me as I was getting older, really my whole life. And they mirrored this kid's thing. And I've spoken about them, but I'm just going to run down a few real quick. So one of the first ones was uh, Joe Espinosa baseball camp. This was a camp that was in Central Park. And this was in the 80s and early 90s. I, I was in there, I think, probably sometime between 8 and 12 I played. And, um, you know, I liked baseball from when I was young. And I started, I think that was the first place I played professionally. And I got really good really fast. And I remember, I remember I used to love playing first base. And I was good at it. And they, first, they always wanted to make me the catcher. And I was like, okay, whatever. But I played the catcher. But I was really good hitting. So I played, I think, in Joe Spinoza camp three years. And I remember I got better each each year. But the third year, I wasn't as good. And I, and I thought about something after the fact. So the first year, I was good. And I was pro- progressively getting better every week. Now, out of this camp, maybe out of 200 students, <clears throat> I may be one out of two, three black kids max. Maybe no more than five. So... This is like a life thing. You know, when you don't have money, you can't send your kids to the things. And my mother wasn't rich, but she worked so hard to to get those experiences and get us the better things. And it really paid off later in life when other things tried to derail me and other people. So, um, you know, I'm really thankful to that. So we're in this thing the first year and I'm getting these patches every week for doing good, whatever. The second year, I remember, I just was so good. And I was like, literally, it was almost laughable. I would come up and just hit a home run. <laughs> it, was like, it was almost, you probably thought I was a ringer or somebody older. I was just, boom, home run, home run, triple, double. It's like, and I just was so, I knew I was good at this now. It was like, I was that good. And I never forget it because I, I was expecting the silver bat. And uh, and I said, if I don't get the silver bat, I got to get like MVP or go. I got to get like one of those 
like the top three awards. Like I'm like the best guy here, clearly. So I'm hitting these home runs, and I'll never forget it. The uh, uh, award ceremony comes, and I didn't get anything. And I was like, I didn't even get like something low. I was like, what the hell is this? I had all these patches. And I literally, and I remember one kid, I don't remember what he said to me, but I remember something of him making a jest like this, messed up. And I don't remember ever thinking anything about race at the time. Mind you, I'm between 8 and 12. I just remember feeling like I got jerked. I, I, I just remember feeling like my output did not match, or excuse me, my input did not match the output here. Like, I feel like I inputted, like, maybe a top three, five performance and my output was no reward. So I remember I came back the next year, I was 13, I had a growth spurt and I just was so bad. I just started striking out and I don't think, and I just eventually went to basketball. And I always thought that it was because of my growth spurt, at least initially. But as I thought about this years ago, I was like, you know what? Subconsciously, part of that was disappointment. And this is like the discouragement, I let it affect me. I was somewhat probably discouraged from like just kicking everybody's ass and just being told I wasn't good enough. <laughs> and it just made me probably lose interest. Now, it could be the height and maybe it made me worse, but I was so good. It was odd. So I started playing basketball and that was a whole other story. But even in the basketball, the same thing followed. Same type of thing. So example, uh, one thing that's interesting, I always use this example, is the crossover. If you remember Allen Iverson or anybody today, Steph Curry, anybody you watch how they do the crossover, and even if they're white, like Jason Williams used to do it, they if they do it like like black people do it, you you know how we do the crossover. It's a lot of psyching out, right? It's like hesitation, uh, psyching out, change of direction, speed, and placing the ball ahead of you. That's how we kind of do the crossover. So you might see like a jerk motion to try to gauge where you're going and then an in and out. So we're very creative with the, with the, with the crossover because it lends to our natural abilities. It doesn't mean anybody's better or worse. Every human being, sets of human beings based off their evolution and how they develop, they have different characteristics that are just heightened based for their survival. So for black people, the speed and agility, right? And then soul, we have a connection with rhythm. So when you're talking about using speed with rhythm, <laughs> that's what we're good at. So when it comes to something like a crossover, we don't have to do that move and a lot of other things. We're different beings, but like a white person does it. White people can do a crossover as well. But generally speaking, they don't have the same level of rhythm. It's not that horrible, but it's not the same level. It's not that in tune. So their crossover sometimes doesn't always look and this is sometimes now doesn't always look as fluid and in tune with the frequency so they teach you to do a crossover like backing up your left foot uh step back right with your left foot dribbling back to protect the ball then bring it the ball down and bringing your other right foot it's a crossover it it, it it has principles of protecting the ball and, and making sure you don't get the ball stripped from you i get it but uh, I don't. I never really saw it as that effective or useful, if, especially if you had a good handle on the ball. So long story short, you know this is something that uh, is in basketball. And for black men, I remember it happened to me. Happened to many men. 
they would tell you, always tell you to, to stop doing it that way and do it this way that they wanted you to do it. And I, to me, that was like, it wasn't just a direction of like, this is the correct way to do something. This was deeper than that because this is a crossover. It's a move. There is no correct way to do this move. <laughs> the point, the, the correct way is to not get called for something and to get in front of your man. <laughs> That's the objective, right? So there are many ways to do that. I can show you hundreds, and if not thousands of different moves that players use to get in front of the other man. So why do I have to do it like you want me to do it? Why is your way the only acceptable way? That way is good for you and your connection with the universe, the way you interact with information. That's, I don't need to do that. So now what's interesting about it is not only you're making them do it, it's like you're taking a person's natural thing away. It's like a person's a singer. They have the most beautiful voice. And there's all these events. And what they decided to do is sing every Sunday at the church and for the people in the crowds on Saturday. And you tell this person, I want you to paint now. And the person's like, I don't mind painting, but like I literally have the best voice here. Like my voice is just, I was gifted with this. And the people all cry when I sing and they feel these deep emotions. I think it's probably best that I, no, I want you to paint. You see, it's taking the person's best skill and just diminishing it and saying, we don't need your best thing. We don't need your natural abilities. Just do things in this way. You're not going to perform as well or be as useful, but do it this way. So I noticed this and, and I'm giving a detailed example. I'm not going to go into every single time. This is just too many times. And if you listen to a few of my podcasts, you know, I've, I've spoken about these stories a lot of times. I've spoken about the racism part, the control part, the domineering part, but also the how to do it part and the reward system part, which is one of the biggest discouragements in society. Another time. So when I was when I was in third grade, uh, second grade, I was literally like a genius. And I used to always like get put up to like, we should skip him. We should skip him. And for me, in my case, it was always some white lady that was just saying that I shouldn't be skipped after I'm just outperforming everybody. And I do mathematical calculations in my head with no paper in less than 10 seconds. <laughs> Clearly a gifted child, but being people refusing to put me in these situations. So just like when I got old, I had to nominate myself and then I always performed, but I had to do it myself. So once again, I'm about to be skipped. But when I go to the meeting and somebody says, oh, you talk in class or some craziness. And it's like, what the fuck is this? Another example of you're beating everybody in school. You're beating them in sports. You're beating them at everything. And you're not getting the rewards. Right? Now, mind you, does that is that to say I never got anything? Of course not. But there's when you beat everybody, there's usually a prize. And this creates your reward systems in your mind and what you think you deserve and how you're going to obtain it and what you do to get things. So if, you, if you're seeing this thing of outperformance not correlating positively, plus one, with, uh, you know, reward systems, it's like that can be dangerous in terms of your ambition. You have to fight that if you're affected by it. As I got older, and like I said, this is this endless examples. I'm just showing you it's not, and, and we're not diminishing the police stop and all that this is that's fucking horrible but the real stuff is the cumulative adding on of these things it's the it's the redlining for housing markets it's the it's the it's the the the, the uh, school discrimination the housing discrimination it's the education discrimination. it's all of these things that add up over time 
that really wear on your spirit and more importantly, discourage people. I told you about my sister. She took the bar exam. Uh, she failed the first time by like one point or some shit. She felt it was so suspicious. I took years ago a series three exam. I failed by the same thing. I went back. I passed it. She went back, passed it. But what was happened was she was so suspicious. All her black friends failed by like the same score. I can't make this up. Seven, eight years later, she gets an email. There was an investigation. There was some corruption. They offered a pass. She had already got it, whatever, but so it didn't matter. But you see what I'm talking about. It's a very simple thing. Make them fail. Half of them don't go back. You have less black lawyers. Systematic stuff is all over the country. It's every, it's in every, it's in every place. But I'm explaining how just in my one life, it's just it's so many places. I've spoken about going to the Python conference, right? I was, I helped the CEO develop his initial stuff. He gave me a free pass to the Python conference. I get there, it's 250 people, it's only three blacks. I'm there, there's a raffle for like a book. I went, I'm so lucky, I win the raffle out of 250 people. And as I get up, the Indian guy who's hosting it says something like, oh, it's a mistake or something, just so I couldn't get it. You see, so these are, this is, this is the, the bigger, because this is all the time. You see, a shooting is just like it's just like when people are, are hurting people and killing people. More people try to use other methods than, than shooting somebody with a gun because it's just less heat. If they could make you have a car accident and look like an accident, people may never know. If you go shoot somebody, <laughs> do a, it's like this is the, the biggest thing. So it's the same thing with police. There's many ways to affect people without doing that. So... Watching this kid play this wrestling game was akin to me in basketball and sports and all these different things. I told you when I got older, I, uh, when I worked in management, I got a 91 on my uh, management aptitude test. The passing score was 16. The average score was 35. I had a 91. I had the highest score in the region. And I still had to nominate myself for, for, for promotions. Like most people, I remember I went to a meeting. The guy said, they should be training you to be the CEO. I said, I know. But this is so for me, I can say definitely I related to this kid with this wrestling shit because I didn't consciously understand this at, at first. But when I looked back as I was getting older, I was like, I saw how this kind of crippled me, not crippled me, but it did affect me. I, it, it did discourage me at times. Like I would always do things a couple of times. But after a couple, after I get that two, three times, I developed a fuck it, man. I'm not kissing nobody's ass. I'll just go do something else. But that's. Uh, part of the system, especially to get rid of people like me, because I'm just that strong. I'm just like, I will dominate the fuck out of you and you'll just get frustrated with me. And I only learned this from having it happen to me in certain senses, right? Anytime I was like that, I said, that can't happen to me. And I became stronger and whatever I was that deficient in. I can lose at a ton of shit, but I'm not going to get dominated like that. Uh, one of the first times I remember this was uh, Riverside Church. And uh, shout out to Dari if he's out there. Uh, he was a basketball player, tall guy, he was about my height, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but he was really good. And uh, I remember one time, this was like maybe 13, 14 years old, and I hadn't really worked on my body yet. And I felt strong, but he was stronger, and we were trying to get the rebound. And I remember he just was pushing me around three, four times for the rebound. There's nothing I could do. And it was just like so frustrating. And I remember probably going to try to work out after that to realize, yo, you got to get stronger. Can't have nobody pushing you around like this. You see what I'm saying? Like that was, it, it was something that triggered in my head <clears throat> to say, don't let this person 
have this much strength over you. So to get better when you don't have it. But another thing I could have just did, right, is tripped him. <laughs> Punch him in the side or act like it's an accident. Do something to get your competition out the way. And that's a lot of times in life what people do. They will not go to the gym and get better on themselves to, to defeat you. Right? What did that little black kid do? The, the, the ref should have stopped the fight and helped and, and, and had the little white kid take the loss. It would have helped him because now he wouldn't have got slammed on his head. And also, he'd have realized he has to go and get better. That's the bottom line. Stop teaching this racism shit. Just get fucking better, bro. G- give everybody a fair opportunity and get better and pick the best out. There's going to be best from every race. But it's not going to be from one race or a couple races, which is what you see a lot of times. So, guys, I can go on and on. I just want to make the point that a non, I don't say non, but not as much talked about phenomena in society is this is uh reward systems misbalanced with product with productivity input output is just off for a lot of black children and they realize this when they're outperforming things now what you will get rewarded for is quiet docile behavior that will always be rewarded for black people uh not too much but you'll get you'll get it more than anything just dominating won't get you anything you could be the best gymnast you could be the best tennis player it just won't get you anything um so we got to keep that in mind and i think the what's important is to not let it discourage you um the last story i'm gonna tell you is when i was eight and I, like i said i live up thousands of these and, and none of it ever discouraged me i've had people at every level try to discourage me and hurt me i just don't allow it but I obviously i it, it does affect me i'm a human being but i don't allow it to stop me but I was 18, or no, I was 19, I was going for my license, and I never forget it, I went in, I got inside the car, I was like an older white guy, and I never forget, as soon as I got in, I said hello, and he just had this energy, I just felt it, and I was 19 already, so I already know about racism, I like, damn, this guy's racist, I just felt it, I, I didn't just feel he's an asshole, I was like, this guy's racist, and just off the rip, he's just like, and now mind you, what's funny is, and I'm maybe this was not good, but my mother had let me drive since 13. Now, not in the street, but like in the parking lot. So I had, I was a master driver. And when I got my permit, you know, I snuck around a little bit too in the neighborhood. So I was pretty good at driving. I knew I knew how to do this. I was already always something that I was kind of good at. So I take the test and, you know, I'm not gonna say I was perfect. I think I was, but I'm young. I probably made a mistake or something, I guess. But his reaction was so crazy. He was just going so crazy the whole trip. It's like, oh, what did you, you just see that? And I'm like, and I'm not even getting nervous. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm handling it. And I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, this guy's just not going to pass me. Like, what's going on with him? And even at the end, he says, pull over here. So I pull over. I put the hazards on. He said, why did you put the hazards on so fast? And I'm like, oh, my God. I said, oh, God. And I'll never forget it. So he fails me. And I'll never forget it. I I took the train home and I was so angry. And it was probably another pivotal moment in my life uh, because I called my mother on the way home and I'm like, man, I fucking hate these fucking guys are racist. These people is always some shit. How do they use these systems just to give these people to just use their racism to control you? <laughs> I was, you know, I was 19, but I was like, this is so obvious. Like, I hate it. One thing I've always hated is like, I always liked testing and metrics. I hated personal judgment. I don't know why this is not talked about 
more in society. Like we all, myself included, have prejudices. Some like short people, some like uh, tall, some like light, some like dark, some like Chinese, some like Asian. I mean, excuse me, black, some like we all have these. Some people like smart people. Some people don't like uh, ugly people. Some people don't like pretty people. So, so this judging of somebody without some sort of measurement tool, like you can operate the tool. But how do you just get to make the whole judgment? Like a judge, a judge, like people don't like each other. People have things, people have incentives, excuse me, agendas that they play out through these type of things. So I've always found that interesting that people can do that. So I remember just talk, talking on the phone, like I was so angry. And I remember like what developed in my mind at that time, and this is the rebelliousness of what started to happen. And not just from this event, but this is like some of the stuff you got to figure out where, 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 your, where your personality changed. I remember subconsciously saying, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. I remember that coming out. And somebody said, oh, you just failed the driving test. No, it's deeper than that. You have to remember, this is, and, and I could literally keep the, you guys here for another seven, eight hours if I told you everything that led up to that. I told you just a few of the stories. Everything that led up to all these things, all of these type of things that were happening, I can't tell you everything. Everything every, every teacher said, everything. no. It's just too much. It was the beginning of not me trying to not go the right way, but saying if the right way didn't go for me, I'm going to do what I have to do. And I felt like this because, like I said, it's not just the first time. And I felt like these white men use their positions in society, not every one of them, but most of them to hurt us, not help us. So it's like, there is no, I, I mean, I was young, I just realized, it's like, they're not there, like, oh, the black people have had this horrible experience, if they're a good guy, let me help them get their lives together. No, it's like, even if you've had a horrible experience, even if you're a well-mannered, good kid, they still want to hurt you. And that's just uh, the realization of racism. Like, look at the ref, he's looking at two, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. Like, these are just two little kids wrestling, and racism is so built into his head that I have to teach this white kid who's getting his ass kicked that he's not, that he's superior. Like, he's getting his ass kicked being told he's superior. But more importantly, what is he learning? We got your back. Why does that white lady run for that phone, right? So fast in society. That's the ref. <laughs> when she's getting her ass kicked, right? So she can get out the car and say something nasty and belligerent, Right? And act like an aggressor and antagonist, right? And then call the police and then <laughs> switch the victim. That's that's the ref. Why, when I was on the highway, another good story, I was in my Mercedes Benz, I was doing a little acting work, going to audition, try to get this little three thousand dollars for a commercial. Seven in the morning, nine in the morning, I'm on the highway, I'm trying to get off the exit, a truck starts to go off the exit. And I'm going the right side of him, so I'm trying to speed up. He, at, on the exit, just takes the front of his 18-wheeler, the cab part, and just blocks it off so no, so I can't get out. So I stopped like 50 feet away from him. Like, okay, you must want to go. The light changes, he doesn't go. He's so, he's so stupid, what he did, he couldn't even, now he's stuck there. He can't even, now both of us are stuck. So I would have to back up onto the bridge. It's like, what the fuck is this? So I'm looking at him, waiting for him to go, he doesn't go. Then he gets out the car. He's a he's a truck driver, white guy, a, kind of a bulky guy, maybe six feet, five eleven. I'm six four, two twenty, two thirty, just so for reference. I'm black. 
Oh, God. But I did have a suit on because I was going for audition. So he gets out the car and he gets out the car with so much aggression. His shoulders are flaring. He's like cursing. So I'm looking like, what the fuck is this? I open the car door and I start walking towards him. Not to harm him, not aggressively. Just like, and I'm literally in my mind thinking like, let me just calm this guy down. Like, bro, what's up, man? Like, whatever this is, let's just work this out. Like, what is wrong with you? That's what's going on in my mind. Like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with people that they take these little things and just go crazy like this? So as I'm walking, he's talking shit. He's talking shit. He's like, yeah, nah, nah. as I get closer, as I get closer, he's like, yeah, I, I, let's go. I'll call the cops. I know you don't want that. No, he's, I go let's talk to the police. I know you don't want that. He's so belligerent. He would have just shut his fucking mouth. He'd have realized he has the most agreeable person. Bro, I don't even know you. I'm indifferent to your fucking existence. What's going on? Let's handle this like fucking men. That if if he if he chose that, but he chose the white antagonist coward shit, which is another reflection of the thing that I was telling you this whole podcast. This uh protective behavior this aggressive behavior only because they're protected because the experience that i explained that i had and that little wrestling kid had for the white kid it's been the reverse it's been the white wrestlers experience right where protection is there when they mess up it's there not as stringent uh punishment to there right that's been their experience it hasn't been like the black child's uh experience you know it's been the opposite so this guy, uh, we basically go to his two cops. We go talk to both of them. They both didn't even look. They we gave a shit. I'm like, come on, let's just get the fuck out of here. And he's like, yeah, so back the fuck up. <laughs> I said, oh, shit. After he, after I said, these white people, this motherfucker got out the car like he wanted smoke. I approached him. He went to the police. <laughs> we can't make this up. And then after we talked to, after he forced this police interaction, said, yeah, just back the fuck up. And then that's why I said, I said, don't get knocked the fuck out. Now, I will tell you, <laughs> when I was younger, I would have probably pulled him out the car around the corner. <laughs> and I do not encourage this type of stuff because people have guns and, and you know, it's not even good. Uh, those type of guys do deserve a thorough ass kicking because you're, 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 you're really the non-civil one. You just got humble. You just didn't expect to run into fucking LeBron James when you was talking shit. <laughs> you didn't expect me to hop out the car. My broad shoulders, my aggressive thing. You know how to broke your whole fucking spirit to live. And you regretted that. But the point is, why was he even so confident, being that he's not the that he that he's not the type to go no matter who appears, if he was not white, he would not have that confidence. He knew in his mind, even if it wasn't conscious, it doesn't matter who gets out this car. If it's too much I can handle, <laughs> I'm gonna just revert back to the police who will protect me or keep this situation under wraps. So, guys, this is uh, something that's happened to probably all of us. It happens daily. It's these little things that you should pay attention to and try to fight to get rid of. Because these accumulative things will help change um, the narrative. They also help change our collective experience. If we fight these things, fight the ignorance, fight all that stuff. But let's fight, um, you know, these systematic things. And call it out when you see it. So if you're at that game and that ref, you you don't you don't no you you learn to speak and you say what gotta be said. It does not matter. You call these people out. Somebody going in there. This kid won three times. Why did you stop the fight? Da, da, da. Don't allow that to happen. You see, that's what I do. I just check it and I have my little battles. But for every one of us that battles, it keeps certain things in check and it's part of the reason you're seeing a little bit of change. Not a ton of it, but a little bit of change. Two thirds.